0: It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Cadillac On Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. As we join you today, it is nearly two years to the day when the first known case of COVID 19 was identified in the United States. On January 20, 2020, caregivers at Providence Regional Medical Center in Everett began caring for a male patient who came to the hospital with symptoms that were determined to be caused by the coronavirus. Since that day, there have been more than 1 million COVID cases in the state of Washington, and 10,000 Washington residents have died. More than 850,000 COVID deaths across the United States. And now, two years later, the word is Omicron. We'll get you the very latest on the current state of COVID in just a moment. And later in the program, meet a motivated Richland High School basketball player who, along with her teammates, are joining forces to raise money and awareness for breast cancer screening. First, we we'll go to the COVID Watch with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health Health District. And Heather, when you hear it's almost two years to the day since COVID found its foothold in our world, (laughs) what goes through your mind?
2: Oh, my goodness, Jim, a lot goes through my mind. It's it's really hard to believe that we've been at this for, for two years. You know, typically, public health is invisible as we go about our work, but um, certainly not when a pandemic hits. We're kind of thrust right out there into the forefront of everything. And you know, working in, in public health, we expect that there's going to be pandemics, such as the 1918 flu. We knew one was going to arrive at some point in time but we didn't know when or what organism would cause it. And, and so here we are um, two years into this coronavirus, this COVID-19 pandemic. And when I look back two years ago to when we first started talking about it on, on Cadillac On Call, so much has happened. We've learned so much over the, over the two years. We realize, you know, some frustrations that we as a nation were really not as prepared as we should have been for this event to happen. But on the other hand, I'm I'm absolutely amazed at how scientists were able to use, you know, the mRNA technology that had been in development for several decades already to, to create a vaccine so quickly. That is, you know, for me in my thirty eight years of public health, that is an amazing feat to see that happening. And then, you know, 10 years ago, we really didn't even have as good a science to do the genomic sequencing, which allows us to really look at the details of how this virus has changed over the last couple of years. And it gives scientists some idea of how to predict what it's going to do when it starts to get into the human population. And, you know, the example with Omicron, we were able to see around the world that it was arriving. And so we, we had a little bit of time to prepare the, the public that potential new um, variant was coming and could be problematic. Um, but, you know, that that's just how nature works. Sometimes we as humans we're, think we're invincible to these little microorganisms, and who would have thought something as tiny as a, a little virus would cause so much um, turmoil and uh, turmoil and disruption and emotional pain in our life? But, again, um, that's unfortunately what it has done to us. And on the other hand, I'm, I'm really hopeful that as we move out of the pandemic – and we will, at some point we will move past this, that you know, our families and friends and our community, we, we can come together and we can heal. We have a, a ways to go still with COVID and we're certainly all very tired, but on the other hand, we're also a resilient community. And I'm sure that we'll be able to take the lessons that we've learned over these two years and, and put them to good efforts in uh, improving a lot of our systems uh, across the nation and and come out better in the long run and, and, and certainly be better prepared for the next pandemic that will come along because um, I guarantee you it will. It absolutely will.
1: You touched on the learnings of the last two years, and I guess what I have learned from you in the last two years is, it's, certainly we can look back, but we probably don't need to look back more than 14 days at a time, right? And, and and I guess the immediate concern is we need to look ahead by looking at the last couple of weeks and evaluating where we are. Where are we with this Omicron and, and what's our level of concern? Because I know it's pervasive.
2: Right. And you're exactly right. We've kind of watched our data in 14-day increments to see exactly what it's doing. And kind of as predicted, when we started watching Omicron around the world and the scientists were telling us kind of the nature of it and how it was likely to um, act once it hits the population, um, and it hit the Tri-Cities, and we're at the highest rates, honestly, that we have ever been throughout this pandemic. Benton County was, for the last 14 days, we're at 2,138 cases per 100,000 and Franklin County is at 2598 per 100,000 and that's 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 a huge increase that's a 150% increase over where we were just 14 days ago and i think it's also important to realize this is a bit of an underestimate because these are only those cases that actually get reported to our disease reporting systems there are a lot more at home tests available and people are testing at home. But we ask that they report those. It's helpful when we know data and just how many people are testing positive with the at-home kits. But we know that many people don't tell us their test result, don't go to the reporting line and, and report those. So we know that the rates that we're reporting right now are are actually an underestimate of exactly where we're at because of the nature of how testing is happening within our community. Um, When we look at our our testing sites, our CBC West and then the uh, Richland site, the walk-up site, they too have seen such a significant increase in number of people coming in for testing. In uh, the last 14 days, CBC West alone tested nearly 12,000 people with a 45% positivity rate. And it wasn't too long ago that we were excited to see our positivity rate drop below 10% finally. And here we are at 45%. And then the Richland site, uh, they completed over 3,300 tests in the last 14 days. And they, too, had a very high positivity rate of 40%. So, um, you know, data has been very interesting to watch over the two years. It's We've learned a lot. It, we've gotten a lot of guidance uh, from our scientists. Um, but then we look forward. And again, where are we going with Omicron? We know it will burn itself out. It will probably, you know, COVID will come up with another variant. It's hard to predict exactly what it's going to look like. But I think at some point, COVID will end up, you know, a seasonal endemic virus that uh, will settle into a routine with it, much like we have influenza over the years, but we honestly at this moment can't predict exactly when that's going to happen.
1: To provide additional uh, scope, I know the hospitalizations have gone up fairly significantly at Catholic today. I believe the number had climbed over 70. Uh, the one part of Part of that, the caveat that we've learned in the last few weeks with Omicron is is it's not necessarily hospitalized for COVID. It's those, yes, but there are also those that are that are testing positive uh, for when they're admitted for treatment on other matters. But but still, the high rates of hospitalization.
2: You're you're exactly right, and you may be hospitalized for something other than COVID and find out you're COVID positive at the time of admission. But that's still a concern because you have COVID, and we don't know how it's going to act in your body. And so it, it could be something inconsequential to your hospitalization, but unfortunately, it could develop into something very serious for you while you're hospitalized for another purpose
1: visiting with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District. We have one more segment of her time. When we come back, I want to give a little, get a little more detail on testing because I know that's so important and what people should do and where they can get tested and also get a little more detail on where things stand with the younger population in particular in the schools. And we'll do that right after this. Welcome back to Catholic On Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. We're visiting with Heather Hill at the Benton-Franklin Health District. And Heather, it seems currently the key issue amidst uh, everything seems to be testing, and it remains in limited supply. What's your counsel for folks who need or want to get tested?
2: You know, there are several reasons why you should go and get tested, and that's certainly risk of exposure. If you feel you've had an exposure or if you're having symptoms, those are definitely times when you should go get tested. And we have two very, very good um, sites, the CBC West site and then the Richland site, but there are also a lot of other providers around town, walk-in clinics, that are are doing testing as well. Um, We have a list, a fairly thorough list on our website that you can look at. But what we find is when people get tested, um, and especially if they test positive, they really do start making those changes that are important not to spread to others. And it also gives you that opportunity to reach out to those people that you were around maybe a couple of days before you were ill and let them know, my goodness, I I ended up testing positive, Uh, you need to be careful, watch for symptoms. And, you know, we we talk about shame and stigma, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, COVID has also increased. That aspect of of who we are and and we don't want people to be afraid to talk about the fact that they ended up catching COVID because it, it it happens and you just need to be able to be comfortable in telling your friends, your family, there's a possibility you got exposed so you need to get tested and watch for symptoms. That's how we stop the spread. But beyond that, um, there are a lot of those at-home test kits, those antigen rapid antigen test kits, and they may not be as accurate as the PCR tests that you get when you go into typically one of these um, clinics like the walk-in clinic or the drive-up clinic, but they are still very accurate in detecting if the antigen or the virus is right there in your nose ready to be passed to somebody else. And unfortunately, over the last few weeks, as COVID, um, Omicron increased, so uh, did the use of these kits, and many, many places were running out of them. But the federal government just announced this week that they have available for um, delivery through the U.S. Postal Service. Every family can get four tests delivered to their house, and all they need to do is to go to test. And I actually tried it out yesterday and it required minimal information. I was literally done within less than a minute getting mine ordered in and then they said they'll show up at your door through the U.S. mail in uh, 10 to 12 days later. So I encourage people get a few of those kits on hand. and. Um, test when you really feel like, my goodness, have I been exposed? I'm starting to get symptomatic. And that will help guide you in how to conduct your life. And, and what a lot of people do is if they know they're going to have a gathering with friends or family, hey, let's all just test before we get together. And that we we know at least those hours that we're spending together we're much less likely to pass it on to each other.
1: And one of the other issues relative to that is is the way this Omicron is working its way through the employer community, the the employee community. Certainly, the healthcare sector. I know it's a huge area of concern. All across the healthcare sector, I know where I work at Catholic. That's a huge issue. As are virtually every other type of work source that that we all are involved in, whether it impacts us personally or someone in our household, because it requires you to be off work what what should people do obviously because it, it can especially in the healthcare institutions and and the schools that we're seeing in, incredibly higher rates uh, recently uh, it's gonna if we don't stop are we in danger of, of really uh, damaging the system whether it's healthcare schools or any other port and essential operation
2: you know unfortunately that's what we've noticed with omicron in particular we've definitely seen a significant increase in the number of outbreaks we're following at local businesses and um, certainly at the schools again not within the classroom necessarily but certainly within extracurricular activities sports and whatnot we're following a lot more outbreaks in in those types of settings than we were you know a few weeks ago and what that does is interrupt the workforce because we've heard definitely where employers have had to shut down, you know, whether it be a coffee shop, um, you know, typically a small business owner, when you start getting a number of your employees sick with Omicron um, COVID-19, then you end up shutting down and, and that hits the pocketbook. That's your livelihood and you have to close down because you don't have enough employees to do the job. That can be a, a very difficult thing to overcome. And then when we look at the schools, again, it's, it's six staff that most schools are worried about because if you do not have enough teachers, you do not have enough substitute teachers to cover for them, you cannot offer a, operate a classroom safely. And I know some of our surrounding counties, Yakima, um, they were talking about the difficulty getting substitute teachers and the potential of going virtual. And I know some of our school districts are looking at – Uh, the substitute teacher population, and do they have enough to keep our classrooms open safely? So it could be even um, not that a lot of students have Omicron, but when it hits the teachers and you've got your, your staff out because they're sick, you cannot have a safe classroom environment, and then the only alternative really is to go virtual. But honestly, that's the last step anybody wants to have to do, and so it makes it even more important that we protect our kids so that they can protect our teachers, so our schools can stay open.
1: And I was going to say too, whether it's whether it's the healthcare sector or not, it, it, by all means, you know if you're a parent with your child and, and someone in your household, gets covid or you know it's the you used to say this to me during the flu season if you're sick stay home and i know that's been something that we have uh tried to to get across during this but that still applies doesn't it
2: it, it definitely applies and i think um many of us in the workforce we love our jobs i mean i i admit i absolutely love my job and the last thing i want to do is to stay home sick and there are many people who will just trudge through a work day even though they're feeling a little bit ill. And we really don't advise they do that because it, it could definitely increase to the spread of, of COVID. And you may be mildly ill, but you don't know if the next person that catches it from you, and we've said it time and time again, we cannot predict if it's going to cause something devastating in your body. And even if you had a milder form of COVID, we're finding that, you know, we talked about long hauler syndrome. You may have made it through COVID just fine at home and not needed hospitalization. But now that we've been at this for two years, we're starting to see some researchers looking at the effects on the brain, the effects on the heart, the effects on the neurological system in the long run and realizing you may have gotten over the acute phase of it, but unfortunately, with this virus, like like some other viruses, it can cause some long-term effects within your body
0: systems.
1: We have just about a minute or a minute and a half of your time left. Uh, what is a takeaway message? There's so much to ground to cover, but, but I know the stuff that maybe would resonate the most with our listeners tonight.
2: I, I think it's important. Things sound very devastating right now. Our case rates are very high. Um, I know we can get through this. We've done it before. It's going to take not just one of the tools in the toolkit, but it's going to take each of us using multiple tools. Uh, Our vaccination rates are unfortunately very, very low, and we need to get more and more people vaccinated. We also need people to, to take the science behind mask use seriously. There are well over... You know, hundreds of studies, scientifically based studies that prove that masks do work very well to prevent the spread of this virus and many other organisms, too. And then using that social distancing, keep your group small and really work on testing before you gather as a group.
1: Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District, and I know probably the other piece of advice is that uh, yes, we understand Omicron does drop pretty uh, quickly. Hopefully, when it does, but but we're not quite there yet. We still have a few more weeks. Uh, where we have to endure some of these uh, some of these rising cases. So Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. Thanks so much again for your time. For more information on where you can get tested and all the latest data, go to bfhd.wa.gov. Back with the second half of Cadillac on call right after this.
3: You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610-KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall.
1: Thank you for joining us for Cadillac On Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation there is and has been a special group of high school students at Richland High School. They are members of the Bomber Girls basketball team, and for the last several years, they have teamed up to raise money and awareness for breast cancer prevention and screening. On Friday, January 22nd, during the Bomber Boys and Girls basketball games with Kennewick, the girls will be raising funds to pay for mammogram screenings for women who cannot afford them. And with us today is one of the driving forces behind this pink night, And she is Danica Lurch, a senior on the Bomber girls team. And I understand we're talking to Danica tonight amidst Richland High girls basketball practice. So always, uh, always working, Uh, but she's been able to sneak away for a few minutes to talk to us and tell us about this amazing project. And Danica, why don't you just first share how people can support your efforts on Friday?
4: Yes, of course. So first off, I just want to correct you. Um, Our game is Friday, this Friday, January
1: 21st. 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 I will keep repeating that. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: (laughs) The girls tip off at 545 and the boys play at 730. And we're playing Kenwick, so it's going to be a good game. So first off, we'll be selling our Pink Knight T-shirts all throughout the girls and boys games. And then we also have this really cool silent auction that we'll be doing starting at the girls game and then finishing at halftime of the boys game. So that's one of the ways that you can really make a difference and donate to the silent auction. We have some really cool um, items this year. We have some experiences that are kind of specific to like Richland high school. Um, We have dinner prepared by the ASB president cheerleaders to come to your child's birthday party. And I'm donating, donating private film lessons. So we have a lot of cool items like that this year, but we're also going to be doing a little uh, presentation at halftime where uh, we'll say a few words about what we're doing and then how this helps the community. And then we'll be going around collecting donations. So, yeah, it would just really be awesome if we could get people to come to the game, so, show their support, and make donations to the cause.
1: Now, you have a very personal reason for your involvement with this project, and I know that's uh, what your mom has, has endured and is in, is enduring. Please share that uh, briefly with your with our listeners, if you would.
4: Yeah, so... My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was in second grade, and my sister was in kindergarten. So I didn't really know a lot about the disease or what was going on, but I knew that there were people around me that cared about me and my family. So, like, my grandparents would pick us up from school, and we would have a Grammy and Papa day, or some of my friends' parents would bring us dinner, Um, and it was just really helpful to have that constant support. And then, uh, she was cancer free for about 10 years and then actually last January. So almost a year exactly to Friday. Um, we found out that her cancer came back, meaning it was stage four, but we've really had that same support that we had before kind of in different ways. Like we don't like, we don't really need dinner right now, but like we can tell that people like, there's a lot of love and support from all of our family and friends.
1: And I was going to say, certainly, uh, Throughout your mom's ordeal, and I know she's just as active about this initiative as you are, right?
4: Mm-hmm, she definitely is.
1: Talk to me a little bit about, um, I know this has gone on for a number of years. It, uh, this project even probably predated your uh, high school years with the Bomber Girls basketball mm-hmm. team, but it was similar to that, right? It was other uh, people like you who had situations uh, similar to what your family dealt with with your mom's situation, right? So this is, this is kind of a legacy project.
4: Yeah, it totally is. And um, like I remember as a kid going to the pink night and getting excited for that, like when my mom was going through cancer. So it was kind of cool to like come to the high school and see that there were other people like supporting the cause that my mom was going through. And so to be able to step up into that position and maybe do the same thing for other younger kids or people around the community really means a lot to me.
1: And I was going to say, I know your mom is an inspiration to you and it impacted. What she's mm-hmm. gone through obviously has impacted her directly, but it's also had an impact on on families. Talk a little bit about that, and especially as you touched on the fact that when she was first diagnosed, you were just a second grader.
4: Mhm. Yeah, I really didn't know like what was going on. I knew it wasn't good, but like I didn't have a lot of information about like her situation. but like especially my sister and I, we really got closer because of that, and like now. Um, Like, I really consider her my best friend. And I think a lot of that roots back to, like, when we were younger and just had to kind of lean on each other a lot.
1: So now back to Friday, the 21st. This Friday, mm-hmm. uh, but talk a little bit about you t- some very cool things that uh, I know it's these Richland bomber-oriented, but uh, uh, breast cancer of, and cancer in general affects uh, anybody, whether you're wearing green and gold or black and uh, black and orange or whatever school color that uh, that impacts. And and I'm sure you'd you'd welcome any and all contributions to support this mm-hmm. cause because after all, uh, it, it it might impact someone uh, be, uh, beyond someone just in Richland.
4: Yeah, so the money that we raise will be donated to the Catholic Mammogram Assistance Fund, which goes to help pay for mammograms for women who can't afford them. And that can really make a difference because uh, mammograms can detect cancer, like, years before you can feel them. And, um, like, you may not even know that something is wrong, but for women in need, like, to have that paid for them and to be able to go in, that can affect the whole treatment plan. You can... Treat it more aggressively if you detect the cancer early, and that was something that really helped my mom. So to be able to, like, do that same thing, provide that for women in need, it really means a lot.
1: And I know uh, your mom is such an inspiration to you, as you touched on, your family and your team, mm-hmm. I suppose, uh, remaining very active in your lives and in this particular event uh Maybe a message to your mom through our listeners. I'm I'm sure people listening to this uh, probably are are feeling extra extra attached to to the Bomber Girls basketball team tonight.
4: Mm-hmm. My mom is my biggest inspiration. She's the strongest woman I know. Um, so I don't believe there's anything that she can't do, and I thought that 10 years ago, and I think that even more today. It's amazing. She blows my mind what how strong she is and everything that she goes through, and she's still does everything every other mom does for
1: us. Well, you are you are an inspiration and such an impressive uh, advocate for your mom and for the cause, and uh, I'm going to have you just take another minute and just summarize again and remind folks listening how they can participate and when they can participate and what it all goes for.
4: Okay, so Friday, this Friday, January 21st, we're having our pink game, and girls tip off at 545, boys at 730 and then that's when the silent auction starts at 545, and that runs through the halftime of the boys' uh, game, and that's going to be, like, the big deal. And so you can come, make a donation, bid on some items, uh, buy a pink T-shirt. They're really cool. They say fight, and they have a little bomber cloud on the ribbon. And then make a donation at halftime. To come watch a good basketball game.
1: Well, we wish you all the best with the – the event on Friday the 21st, and uh, I have to be probably a little bit impartial since uh, this program (laughs) isn't Mm -hmm. broadcast just in Richland, but we appreciate all that you and the rest of your teammates are doing, and best wishes to your mom and your family and to anyone out there facing a cancer uh, diagnosis and a cancer journey at this point. Uh, I'm just comforted to know we have uh, amazing people like Danica and your teammates uh, for what you're doing. Danica, thanks, and uh, get back to practice. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. That's Danica Lurch, who is with the Richland High Girls Basketball Team. And again, this Friday, January twenty-first, the annual Pink Pink Night, and it benefits uh, women who cannot afford to get their annual screening mammograms. Uh, great cause and uh, great work being done by this uh, fine group of people here in our community. Back with the remaining minutes of Catholic on Call in just a minute. A reminder if you missed any part of our program, Catholic on Call is available on podcasts. Simply search Catholic on call wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What an outstanding group of young leaders at Richland High School would like to turn now to the medical side of breast cancer, the topic. Back to the phones we go to talk with Dr. Chet Hunter. He's a radiologist with Catholic Regional Medical Center and works uh, with, with folks who end up getting uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, Dr. Hunter, maybe uh, we want to get your perspective on breast cancer and the importance of mammography, but first just an initial reaction when you learn about people like Danica and the rest of her teammates who are taking on causes like this to raise money to help people who can't afford to get a mammogram.
0: Well, I'm just so humbled and I just am so grateful to have such great young um, people out there trying to make a difference in the world. And it's, it's, it's great to see that they're striving because even the little steps they can do or what they can try to obtain, you know, if they can get one or two people to get an extra mammogram or, or more, it could save lives. So um, I think they're making a difference and I'm very um, impressed um, with people so young, I wasn't doing the same thing
1: at their age, and so I wish I was. <laughs> yeah, it is very impressive. And, and and we have a few minutes with you, and I appreciate you taking the time to be with us, but maybe a reminder to women about the importance of, of mammogram and, and certainly this cause and the fund that the Catholic Foundation offers uh, goes to help uh, fund mammograms for women who can't afford them but talk about the importance of that and it and what what is the latest guidance uh, on when folks should be getting their mammograms
0: yeah um, I think one of the best things we can do for fighting breast cancer is to actually find breast cancer early or when it's small and one of our best ways of doing that is through mammography now we have made a lot of progress in the treatment side um, and we continue to do so, but it still doesn't uh, make up for being able to f- find things at a very early stage or very small cancers. And so I think the importance of mammography is very, uh, very important in doing that. It's one of the best things we can do to try to do that.
1: Who is most at risk of breast cancer? And, and I guess who should be most uh, concerned? And I guess at what age should, should women be really making this front and center in their top of mind?
0: Well, I think uh, there's a lot of different organizations out there that make different recommendations of when you should start and if you should start, and I think sometimes it's confusing, and should you do it every year or should you do it every other year? Um, but I, my personal uh, opinion and working in the industry, and I kind of find, follow the American College of Radiology guidelines, that I think you should probably be having a conversation with your doctor in your 30s and finding out whether you're at high risk. Um, for breast cancer, um, then, if you're not at high risk, I think you should start um, getting a mammogram at the age of forty and then doing it yearly until um, until you get to an age where you no longer want to be screened or maybe your health is not good enough to get treatment
1: and talk a little bit about how the technology has evolved. I know the digital world, I know that was a huge advance in in the world of imaging, but talk about how that has really impacted, for the good, uh, the world of breast cancer screening and mammography.
0: Well, we've seen a lot of advances in mammography, and when I was first um, training, I was doing it with just film, and it was still a mammogram, um, but We've then changed to digital, and then they've also um, went to uh, tomographic slices uh, or tomography, as a lot of people um, say it. And our ability to see um, small cancers or cancers within the breast is much different and much better now than it was, say, 8, 10, 15 years ago. And so I do think the advances in imaging are continuing and it is helping us to be able to detect more cancers and detect them at
1: smaller sizes. And certainly it had to have been just the, the, the the way when you just had film, you know, a lot of people, especially uh, I'm a lot older than you are, but I know just the old days of people go, what is film? But I mean, it's, it's just the technology has just gotten so good today.
0: Yeah. And our, our, um, ability to take a good image and be consistent with that image um, is much better today. And so even our screens that we look at things on are really high resolution. And so we we're able to do a lot for, um, for the technology that we have. And, and Cadillac has um, put in uh, tomography. We've had it for multiple years now, and so um, it's really helped out.
1: I was going to say just a, a minute or so left of your time. I'd I'd like to have you, if you would. Certainly, breast cancer awareness is at its height during the month of October, and and certainly I know with uh, you know with what the girls' basketball team is doing, they play in the winter time, and so in a way maybe re introducing the importance of it during this time but maybe if you would you know we have to tie COVID to everything but but has COVID impacted the, the world of imaging and the and the world in, in which you work because i know obviously people have have not been able to get the the, the the care when they need it at certain times or or when they need to be getting it
0: yeah covet has have an effect on us um, we did have a slower october than we've typically had in years past um I do like people making awareness of breast cancer at other times other than October because a lot of times October for us gets very, very busy and it's hard to get a slot to go get a mammogram. But other times of the year, we usually have more openings and more availabilities and more things to be able to serve the public. So I really like um, remembering it at other times. And, you know, there is never a bad time, even if it is October, there's never a bad time to come and get a mammogram if you haven't had one
1: um, maybe, in over a year. And I was going to say, even even amidst COVID, maybe just a quick comment, if you would, just on the safety with that, the, the, the protocols that are in place, that it's okay that you can, you can go out and safely do that and venture out and get these exams.
0: Yes, um, the Cadillacs went to great lengths to try to make it as safe as possible to try to um, make your interaction um, as less as possible with people, and also our techs they do are they're they're trying to wear, wear all the equipment um, that they would need to to try to help make everybody safe. Um, I would say that if you are sick or you have a fever or something that, of course, I'd wait till that's all over with before you come in. But if if you're feeling well, I think the environment is safe. And I think it's worth um, the risk to come in and to get a mammogram and to continue your um, screening uh,
1: with mammography. Well, thanks for taking the time to be with us, Dr. Chet Hunter. And again, if you'd like to help out with the Richland High fundraiser this Friday, January 21st, it's happening during the Richland Girls and Boys Basketball Games against the Kennewick Lions. Again, a silent auction during the games, T-shirts for sale, and an opportunity. To donate on site. And again, the proceeds benefit the Catholic Foundation Mammogram Assistance Fund. If you can't make the game but would like to financially support the work of the Catholic Foundation, visit Catholic.org slash foundation and make an online contribution. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again next week.